This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Hi, it's Claire Kimball here, the founder of The Squiz. This week marks six years of putting out The Squiz Today podcast, and I just wanted to say a huge thank you for listening. If you love what we do, and we hope you do, please tell your friends about us. It's all the birthday present we could ever need. Good morning, I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Friday the 26th of May. In your Squiz Today... New Melissa Caddick findings are released. The ABC's coronation coverage is cleared. Turkey heads back to the polls. And canning a Cairns sign. This is your Squiz today. The New South Wales Deputy State Coroner, Elizabeth Ryan, has shared the findings from a coronial inquiry into Sydney fraudster Melissa Caddick's disappearance back in 2020. The big finding is that Ryan says Caddick is dead, Claire, but she also says there's not enough evidence to say what exactly happened to her. Yeah, and Ryan also singled out Caddick's husband, Anthony Coletti, uh, that happened in court yesterday. She said that his behaviour was inconsistent and there were untrue statements that he made to authorities after his wife vanished. Uh, Also, Ryan said that it was fair to say that when he was not creating further inconsistencies, He was attempting to account for them with opaque and sometimes unintelligible explanations. Uh, There were four police officers uh, who testified at that coronial hearing. Uh, They said that there was no evidence that Coletti killed Caddick, but but Ryan said yesterday that his involvement in her disappearance hasn't been ruled out. And just to wind things back a bit, Claire, this entire case really dates back to 2009 when Caddick set up a financial firm without having the necessary licence to run it. And then things ramped up in September 2020 when the financial regulator ASIC started investigating the business. Yeah, and look, we won't get into the ins and outs of all the complicated financial dealings there, but long story short, Caddick stole more than $24 million, mainly from her family and friends. That went to pay for her very lavish lifestyle. Mm. Uh, It was on the 11th of November 2020 when federal police arrived at her home with a search warrant. Uh, They went through all of her home and they seized about a million dollars worth of designer clothes and handbags and jewellery. And then it was the next morning when her son says that he heard her walk through the front door uh, very early in the morning and he assumed that she was going for a run but Coletti reported her missing 30 hours later Uh, and then three months later her foot washed up in a sneaker on the New South Wales south coast. For his part, Coletti vouched for Caddick early on. He told police that everything she's done has always been legit. He also criticised ASIC and the AFP's cruel and inhumane treatment, as he says, during that initial raid. Ryan also criticised the police investigation yesterday. She said there were shortcomings like delays and a lack of thoroughness. And she says it's certainly possible that Caddick took her own life, but there's not enough evidence to say for sure. So the mystery on this one continues. 
Claire, there's been a lot of talk about the ABC and presenter Stan Grant over the past week after he stepped down from hosting Q&A. Grant said he's taking a break after the racist abuse that he copped over comments he made during the coverage of King Charles's coronation. And now the ABC's ombudsman has cleared the broadcaster of breaching its editorial standards in that coverage. Yes, so the ABC got more than 1,800 complaints about that panel discussion. That was where Grant talked about the monarchy's ties to really disastrous outcomes for Indigenous Australians. And Mm. there were some viewers who said that that panel discussion breached the ABC's editorial standards. Uh, The ABC Ombudsman Fiona Cameron uh, investigated and yesterday she said that the views that were presented were legitimate and newsworthy, but she also acknowledged knowledge that it could have been jarring for some viewers to watch. And just on the racist abuse that Grant has received, yesterday police charged a Sydney man for allegedly threatening Grant online. He was given bail and is due to appear in court next Wednesday. It feels like we were only talking about Turkey's elections yesterday, Claire, but it's actually been a fortnight. Turkey's President Recep Tayyip Erdogan is heading back to the polls on Sunday. He'll be hoping to win the runoff election and secure himself another five years in power. Yeah, so he came very close to winning that election a fortnight ago in that first round. He got 49.24% of the vote and his main opponent is Kemal Kilic Daruglu. Uh, he received just a smidge over 45% of the vote. Uh, Erdogan has been an authoritarian leader. He's really given himself in recent years wide-ranging powers. Uh, That includes cracking down on dissent and on the free media. He's been in power for 20 years and it's thought that the challenger was going to have a real crack at it because he hasn't really been challenged in the 20 Mm. years he's been in power. Uh, But... We'll see how it goes on Sunday. Turkey's dealing with soaring inflation, Claire. It's currently at 43.7% and also the devastating earthquakes that have left more than 50,000 people dead. But despite those disasters, Erdogan is still the favourite to win. As for why it's relevant, Turkey is a NATO member, so it's part of that big strategic security pact that includes America and Western Europe that has been a big supporter of Ukraine. But Turkey also has close ties to Russia. Power prices have been on the way up right across the country, but if you're in SA or New South Wales or southeast Queensland, the Australian Energy Regulator says your bills will rise by 20 to 25% from the 1st of July. Yeah, that's for 600,000 customers who are on what's called the default offer, which is the cap on the price that energy retailers can charge existing customers. Mm. There's always been a bit of advice saying make sure you talk to your energy supplier to see if there's a better deal other than that default offer. Uh, Victorians on that sort of offer haven't escaped lightly either from the 1st of July. Their electricity bills are set to rise by 25% according to that state's regulator. Uh, And although those price rises are quite steep, the regulator Claire Savage uh, says that things could have been a lot worse. The default offer would have risen by up to 50% if the federal government hadn't intervened in the power market last year. Yeah, the prices for coal and gas have eased a little bit, but they're still very high and that's what's mainly behind the price rises. Right in time for winter when I want every heater in the house on, Claire. (laughs) 
message now from our podcast partner, Sunbeam. With so many unhealthy snacks on offer, it can be hard to find something to keep your kids satisfied and happy. Sunbeam's dried fruit and cheese chilled snacks contain only real fruit and real cheese with no artificial colours or flavours. And they're a great source of calcium. It's a snack you can feel good about giving them while you're on the go. Pick up a pack today in the dairy fridge at your local Woolworths, Coles or independent retailer. I think it's safe to say the following group of people are probably not too worried about turning the heater on this winter, though. (laughs) The Australian Financial Review has released its latest rich list. Up at number one for the fourth year in a row is mining magnate Gina Reinhart. Her net worth jumped up $3 billion in the past 12 months to a total of $37.4 billion. Yeah, if you're in mining and minerals and resources, as we've just mentioned, you're probably doing pretty well at the moment. Uh, it's a similar story for Andrew Twiggy Forrest. He's not far behind Gina Reinhart and he's maintained that runner-up spot. Uh, and then Clive Farmer, who's done pretty well, he's jump from seventh to fifth. Uh, in third place, though, after Forrest and after Reinhardt is Anthony Pratt, who is, of course, the cardboard king, uh, and his family, they claim about $24 billion. Uh, and then there's the property developer, Harry Triggerboff, uh, rounding out the top 10 Alice Atlassian co-founders, Mike Cannon-Brooks and Scott Farquhar, their collective wealth dropped by about $18 billion a year. Of course, we've talked quite a bit about uh, the struggle that the tech sector has had. Yeah, but they're still worth more than $18 billion each, so not too bad, Claire. They were followed by Glencore boss Ivan Glassenberg, the co-founders of Canva, Melanie Perkins and Cliff Obrecht, and the rich list mainstay, Frank Lowy. Not bad work at all if you can get it. <laughs> Claire, Friday Lights, what have you got for us? Uh, this week, I thought that I'd left the bread making and the you know, sort of faffing about with those kind of things that you need yeast for back in the pandemic days. But I've really <laughs> got this tomato and goat's cheese focaccia on my mind. It could be because I'm trying to limit my carbs at the moment that I have this real <laughs> hankering for this really delicious bready treat, but that's certainly on the list. I might have to share it with some friends. Yeah, that sounds delicious. I'll pop the link to that recipe in the episode notes today. And that wraps us up. But Claire, if anyone's looking for something to listen to before you and Kate talk through the news of the week on Saturday Squiz tomorrow, the latest Squiz shortcut might hit the spot. Yeah, we've got a really good range of things to talk about. There's been a lot of news this week, so (laughs) certainly when we're doing a bit of a news wrap, uh, a bit to get across. Thank you for listening today. Have a great Friday and we'll be back with you on Monday. G'day, Kate Watson here. I'm the host of Weekly Wrap and News Club, a place for conversations about the news. It's budget week, so I'm here to tell you about our News Club episode from last week where Claire chatted with James Chessel. He's the former Managing Director of Publishing at Nine Entertainment. He was also a staffer earlier in his career, so they have a good chat about how the budget sausage is made. Here's a small snippet. The most important policy or set of policies the government will announce every year. So it's important that it's not um, announced willy-nilly, although Mm. 
they do leak <laughs> a, a, a fair amount of it. Yeah. And there is a famous time when a when um, Laurie Oakes, the nine journalist, got his hand on the budget papers b- the day before the budget and was it's able to such print. Such an incredible story. Was able to print a lot of it, um, which was you know absolutely amazing. Um, <laughs> but the other thing is. A lot of what the treasurer will announce has the ability to move markets, yeah. um, direct impact on on businesses and and other organisations. So you know there does need to be some rigour and uh, confidence that it will be handled handled in an appropriate appropriate way. For more on that chat, just search for News Club in your podcast app or follow the link in your episode notes.